Everybody say, God bless Brother Mays. Amen. All right. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Amen. Everybody ready to have church? Are you, uh, are you really ready to have church? Uh, let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Amen. You can be seated for a moment. A couple who lived not very far from their church uh, had two little boys. One was eight and one was ten. They're extremely mischievous. And the two are always getting into trouble. The parents could be confident that if any mischief occurred in the church or their town, their two young sons were probably involved. Parents were at their wit's end as what to do about their son's behavior. Parents had heard that their pastor had been successful in disciplining children in the past, so they contacted him. And uh, he agreed to give it his best shot. So he asked to see the boys individually. So the eight-year-old was sent in first. And the pastor set the boy down and he asked him very sternly, Where is God? And the boy made no response. So the pastor repeated the question in an even a little sterner tone and sat at the edge of his seat, and he said, where is God? Again, the boy made no attempt to answer. So the pastor stood up, pointed his finger in the little boy's face, and he said, where is God? At that, the boy bolted out of the room, ran directly home, and slammed himself in his closet. The older brother followed him in, the closet and said, what happened? The younger brother said, well, we're in big trouble this time. God's missing. They think we did it. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn me to 1 Samuel chapter 14. Amen. Praise God. Well, God's not missing here tonight. I said, God is here in a mighty, mighty way. I, I want to say something. I appreciate this church singing the old songs. Yeah, there's, well, some place between here and there. Uh, I've been some places where I didn't even know the words, couldn't follow along. And uh, so I appreciate this church incorporating some of those older songs. I mean that. I mean that. Amen. Praise God. Glad to see Brother Riggin here. Amen. I'm really thankful that he's here, able to be here. Amen. I'm looking for a mighty move of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Tonight's going to be different. And uh, I'm just going to go ahead and obey God. This is what I feel. Amen. First Samuel chapter 14. Amen. When you have it, say read. Now it came to pass upon a day that Jonathan the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come 
and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gabeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahiah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shallow, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. Amen. And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of the one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Sina. The forefront of the one was situate northward over against Michmash, and the other southward over against Gabeah. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. Amen. And I want you to take another look at the last portion of verse number 6 where Jonathan tells his armor bearer, it may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. Amen. It's from this portion of Scripture. I want to take my text. I want to preach, it may be. It may be. Amen. I said it just may be. Amen. Amen. Brother Goff, would you pray? Amen. Somebody just turn and, and look at somebody and, and uh, shake their hand and say, I'm glad you're here tonight. Amen. Yeah, that's all right. You can go ahead and go across the aisle. And Amen. That's all right. Praise God. In look, you can be seated. I'm sorry. And looking at the passage in 1 Samuel, Jonathan seemed to be in a situation of uncertainty. The future, the absolute direction he needed for the present time just was not clear. All he could say in verse 6 was, it may be. He couldn't be sure one way or the other. He seemed to, and no doubt probably did, feel that it was the right thing to do but there is some uncertainty that was revealed in his words. Uh, there seemed to be a little bit of doubt. Uh, how many of us have ever waited to do the right thing or the sure thing, uh, and it's kept us from doing anything for God? Amen. Doubt is the opposite of faith. In Ephesians chapter 6, the Apostle Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And in that discussion, he speaks of taking the shield of faith for which we can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. If doubt is the opposite of faith, then it is faith that is needed to dispel the fiery darts of doubt that the enemy tries to hit us with. Can I hear an amen? There are times when we're just hit 
and with doubt. And how many know that's what I'm talking about? We're just hit with doubt. Uh, and when that happens, we need that shield of faith to quench uh, Satan's attempt to unravel our faith. Uh, but I also believe that there are times when we have uncertainties and doubts, if you will, when the enemy is not majorly involved. There are times when we're just unsure and unclear on the right step to take and the right move to make. Uh, sometimes all we have is a sense, a feeling, uh, and sometimes seemingly just something abstract. Uh, we have nothing concrete, nothing for sure. Uh, most of the time in area area of our life, uh, we like guarantees. How many can say amen? Uh, we like those things that are absolute, uh, those sure things, uh, the thing that we know that's going to happen. Uh, but the sure thing doesn't require any faith. God help me tonight. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, faith is identified as a prerequisite uh, for pleasing God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Amen. The truth is that all of us will face more maybes uh, than we will certainties in our walk with God. Can I hear an amen? There will be those times uh, when we have a sense of what's right and what God's will is, uh, but we will still have those doubts, uh, those uncertainties, and the hesitancy. Can I hear an amen? Ecclesiastes 11, verse number 4 says, He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. And I've often wondered just what does that really mean. And I've come to the conclusion to believe it means don't get caught up watching the natural circumstances. Don't get caught up by waiting for natural things to align themselves. If all we do uh, is wait on the right time and the right conditions on the, or the right people, or the right atmosphere, uh, then all we're ever going to do is sit around talking about how bad we need things to line up uh, so we can get some things done. That metaphor used in Ecclesiastes 11 relates this truth uh, to sowing and reaping. Uh, he that observeth the wind shall not sow, uh, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Uh, whether sowing or reaping, uh, you can't sit around waiting on perfect conditions uh, before you take action. Can I hear an amen? Uh, don't wait on the wind and don't focus on the clouds. And if we want to do anything for God until we're absolutely sure that it's the right thing, we're only going to sit around and miss miracles. Sometimes you have to move out on a maybe. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Now, let me clarify something. I'm not talking about senseless and foolish action. No, I'm not. And all the while, trust God to empower us with our every little wish and whim. Uh, if you got a doubt, go to your pastor. Amen. But I do believe that there will be times when you have to just step out on faith. And that means that you will not be sure. To wait until you're sure is not moving by faith. 
Oh, God, is anybody going to help me tonight? All you have is a maybe. But I believe that God would say, uh, if you'll begin to move out on a maybe, uh, I'm going to transform your maybe into a miracle. Uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. Uh, that means take a chance. Uh, move out even when you're unsure. Move out on a maybe. I love you, Jesus. Uh, that means you might still have some doubts and reservations. You can still have questions in your mind and not know the whole plan. But if you'll move out on a maybe, then God can do an awesome work just because you stepped out on a maybe. So what are you going to do when you're not certain? Are you just going to sit back and wait on the natural circumstances to align themselves? Are you going to wait for conditions that are perfect to develop the burden that God has put on your heart? Oh, God. I want to try and help someone in this area tonight. I really believe what I'm about to tell you, so please hear me. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man man can shut it for thou hast a little strength and has kept my word and has not denied my name I believe that God can open and shut doors that we nor anyone else can do anything about uh, and I know I preached upon on this on Sunday however I also believe that there are doors that God unlocks but he just leaves closed amen to see if we have the faith to reach out and try the doorknob I believe Oh, God, I feel this. I believe that we've often missed God's movement and direction because we waited, well, we waited and wanted to see the entire panoramic view, but God may want us just to push on the door a little bit. Uh, my God, I, I believe that, that, that God will draw you to an unlocked door that is closed. And then he's going to give you a maybe condition. And see what your faith will do. Some people are worried about making a mistake. God knows I made a lot of mistakes. My 20 years of pastoring, I made a lot of mistakes. And while that is a distinct possibility, but I've come to know that you cannot make a mess so big uh, that God cannot turn it around. Uh, you can't make a mistake so big uh, that God cannot erase it. Uh, oh, somebody going to help me tonight. If you give yourself permission to fail or to falter, you give yourself permission to try. And sometimes that's all God's looking for. He just wants you to try. Now, you may think that we are only to move out on a guarantee. But do you realize how many natural decisions that we make based on a maybe? Huh. Uh, pay attention now. Amen. What about marriage? 
let's, let's get a little bit more carnal here. What about fishing? What about those deer hunters that get up at 4 a.m. while it's still dark, put on camouflage, go and, uh, to the woods, get in a tree stand, and they'll sit there for eight hours? Just maybe a deer might come by. They're all doing all of that based on a maybe. If people will do those natural menial things based on a maybe, could it be possible that God wants us to incorporate that kind of faith into the realm of spiritual matters? In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verses 17 through 27, it records the whole story of a man who brought his son to Jesus. In verses uh, 17 and 18, the man said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And whithersoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth and gnasheth with his teeth and pineth away. And I spake to thy disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. And then in verse 19, Jesus said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And in verse number 20, it tells us, and they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. And when Jesus asked the father, how long ago since this came on him, the father replied, of a child. And oft times it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us and that is when Jesus said unto him if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth and in verse number 24 it tells us that straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears Lord I believe help thou my unbelief I don't know about you, Brother Jared, but that sort of sounds like some sort of schizophrenic faith. I believe, but help my unbelief. Because first he believes, and then, then he says, well, I don't believe. And you can believe what you want to. But I believe what this man was saying is, all I have is a baby. All I have is just a possibility. I know you can do it. I'm not sure what you're going to do. But Jesus moved on his behalf and turned his maybe into a miracle. Because scripture tells us that when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the foul spirit saying unto him, thou 
dumb and deaf spirit. I charge thee, come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him and he was as one dead in so much that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. Oh, somebody give the God praise right now. Now let me return to 1 Samuel chapter 14. You thought I forgot about that, didn't you? The scene that we read of here is Jonathan and his armor bearer coming to a place where verse number 4 tells us, and between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over unto the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on the one side and a sharp rock on the other side, and the name of the one was Boaz, and the other name was Sina. I want you to notice that the name of Bozes literally means shining. And it was the south-facing cliff near the Philistine camp at Michmash. Perhaps so named because it reflected the sun that shone on it from the south. And Sina literally means thorny. And one would think that it gets its name from bushes and brambles and thorns that might grow upon it for it faced north and was closer to Geba. Now, so now here, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they've come to a place on their journey where, if I can say it this way, uh, there was a fork in the road. Or you might say that on each side of the pass, they've got a large, sharp, jagged rock. And on the other side, a large, sharp, sharp, jagged rock. Uh, However, the point I'm trying to make uh, is this. uh, Amen. Jonathan's route was an extremely difficult one. Uh, You might say that Jonathan and his armor bearer found themselves uh, between a rock and a hard place. And I cannot help but wonder if anyone is here that has been between a rock and a hard place. And the truth of the matter is, everyone sitting here right now has been, and you are right now, or if you live for God long enough, you're no doubt going to find yourself in a crisis situation where you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Uh, Anybody going to help me? And when a man or a woman finds himself troubled from just one side, they can usually handle it because they can focus on that fight Uh, but when trouble hits you from just one side you can gather all of your energy your strength and all of your effort you can make it through but what do you do friend when you're going through life and you're facing two troubles you're facing two disasters two overshadowing misfortunes and trouble on every side Uh, that's a very good definition of being between a rock and a hard place and I ask you do you continue to move forward and face the oncoming enemy or do you just go back to where and what you just came from oh God when you come to a place when you're in between a rock and a hard place and all you have is just a little maybe faith that's where Jonathan and his armor bearer found themselves that day because on one side of the pass they heard a large jagged rock and on the other side there was a large jagged rock it had brambles and thorns and beyond this they were facing the garrison of the Philistines now uh, a Philistine garrison is not a specific size 
Could have been 20 that verse number tells us, 14 tells us that were slain by Jonathan and his armor bearer. But there's some who believe this number was about 250 armed soldiers. No matter if it was two against 20 or two against 250, all we know is that Jonathan and his armor bearer were tremendously outnumbered. So what were they to do? Jonathan said, come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. And someone here needs to understand that this armor bearer didn't have his own weaponry and armor. He only bore that of his master. There was only one sword among them, and they wanted to go on the attack mode. And the armor bearer in verse 7 proves he's just as passionate as Jonathan because he says do all that is in thy heart turn thee behold I am with thee according to thy heart oh God I grant that he gives this church full of people that have an attitude like that people who will move out on a maybe and others who will say come on Pastor Riggin do all that's in your heart we're behind you amen and we're going to back you in whatever you want to do whatever you say Pastor we're going to do it we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Oh, God. Go ahead. Praise him right now. Uh, while I'm here, I want to try to bring this down to where we're living today. I want to try and bring some revelance for those of us that make up the church of Jesus Christ today. I want you to look at what these men were missing. They were at a place of insufficiency. They had insufficient personnel. There was only two of them. They had insufficient weaponry. They had insufficient uh, Amen. Equipment and insufficient plans. Uh, they were not equipped uh, or even able at all uh, in the natural to do it. Uh, but oh, they had something else. Uh, what they had was maybe faith. Uh, they, they didn't even have any assurance that God would work on their behalf. Uh, but what they had was faith in a maybe. Uh, I wish somebody would help me tonight. Uh, and when they moved out on nothing but a maybe... Uh, God intervened on their behalf and brought a wonderful and glorious victory. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and praise him. Musicians, please come. Oh, I wonder if anybody in this place tonight could get a hold of it and say, Pastor Riggin, whatever you do, I'm going to, oh, I'm behind you, Pastor Riggin. I'm behind you, I'm behind you, I'm behind you. I don't want to excuse my inactivity any longer, nor do I want to excuse the church's inactivity by giving lame excuses that are not full of faith, but just full of nothing but doubtful reasoning. I don't plan on my last words being it's not just my time yet, or if I could have had one more day, or if only I could have done more. God, don't let that be my last words. Oh, God, somebody, amen. Man, eat a lamo shatalamakaya. 
I believe it's time someone in this house analyze your faith. Amen. And begin to step out on a maybe and trust God to turn that maybe into a miracle. Woo! When all you have is a maybe, what are you going to do with it? Maybe God is waiting on you to move on out, to test the doorknob, push on the door, step out in faith. Oh, God, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. If all you have is maybe faith, I want you to come and stand at these altars. Amen. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray that God, amen, takes that maybe faith. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Come on. Come on. You tell, my God, until you can have faith to say, Pastor Regan, do all that's in your heart. I'm behind you. I'm going to back you in whatever you want to do. Woo! 